Welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Sunday, April 3rd, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? A little less than pretty well at the moment. Uh, it's been a very slow day, but did get out for a bit of a walk, see an old friend. So, but I don't know, doing that is when you haven't seen them in years, kind of feels like enough activity for a day. And uh I'm pretty happy to just chill and veg out. Um, having just one day off in between work days really doesn't feel like a day off, to be honest, though. Mm-hmm. Just because you have to use that whole day to recover, right? <laughs> yeah, you're just, you're drained. You don't really want to go do the productive, like, stuff that you could be doing. Some stuff, like, has piled up during the work days. So that has to be taken care of. And it just feels like the mix of trying to recover and like catch up on whatever doesn't leave you with much of a, yeah, I had time during my day off feeling. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's weird. The like one day off. And then again, I, well, I don't know. I got got quite a few times on April fool's day, but one of the things that I think is actually legit huh. was, uh, Ontario's like looking at a four day work week. Some businesses are so longer hours on those four days, but having a three day weekend seems like a great thing. I'm sure there are positives and negatives to both, but um, I, I can't imagine having three day weekend every week where you kind of have one day to just veg out as you did today, as we both did today, one day to get your errands done. And then the last day to just maybe do something fun. Uh, that you wouldn't otherwise get to do on a weekend when you only have those two days. Yeah, it seems like a reasonable move and just the sort of like, okay, well, we did this one thing for a reason for some amount of time, but that reason no longer exists. So let's try and figure out something a little more optimal. Um, It's also like people will just have different work weeks. Like I've heard like about like a rotating staff idea where like there's a four-day shift and a three-day shift or something changes business to business but that sounds great to me I've had that lifeguarding a few times and like yeah it's so worth it to work like an extra hour two hours and have that middle day yeah yeah I mean if we ever build this empire that is sports next door it'll definitely be a four-day work week for sure 100 buddy hey those foundation bricks going in brick by brick yeah except for the fact that when you cover sports there's never a day off (laughs) speaking of we've got a pretty loaded itinerary today um the miami open wrapped up some great times to be a leafs fan much worse times to be a laker fan lots of raptors stuff so this one looking pretty toronto centric plenty of news in the basketball world in general though including the ncaa march madness wrap-up and a bit of football fan cave um all on the docket so looking forward to that we'll kick off with the miami open where carlos alcaraz continues to make history oh he becomes the youngest champ ever to win the miami open uh, the third youngest player to ever win a 1000 uh, masters atp level tour event and 
I can't really say I'm surprised the way the past week and a half has gone and the way the first few months of 2022 have gone. Um, this kid has gone from being a what if to a serious contender on the tour level in a very short amount of time. Um, in a word, he just steps up and plays well in the big moments. I mean, Casper Rudd, not really a hardcore player, so maybe not the toughest finals matchup you can draw up, but um, in a match where both players had their lulls, had their unforced errors, and had their great stretches of play, in the moments where it mattered most, um, Alcaraz was the one attacking, the one imposing his style, the one forcing, and it goes across most sports that good offense beats good defense. And if you can demand control of the rally and have the aggressive style, sure, that style of play comes with a few more errors. But if you can match it with the poise, the maturity to be calm and play the points correctly in the big moments where it matters, that's a winning style of tennis. And that's what Alcaraz did in the finals today. It's why he's been doing all tour at 18 and two, um, both losses on the season going the full match, uh, five sets at the Australian against Mateo, which he avenged, three sets against Rafael Nadal. This, he's right up there with Nadal for the best start to the 2022 season. And I'm so excited to see it continue because he's had a lot of success on clay. And we've got a couple clay level 1000 masters coming up to warm us up for Roland Garros. So congratulations to Carlos Alcaraz. Uh, other fun note, Hubert Hercaz, who lost to Alcaraz, uh, does continue to get his name on Miami trophies as he won the doubles match with John Isner, excuse me, the doubles title. So congrats to them as well. And uh, it's been a fun month of tennis in March, I guess. Here we're wrapping up in April. Uh, I think we've got a bit of downtime for a while, but there's always something right around the corner. So looking forward to whatever that is. Awesome. Yeah, this this Alcaraz kid is opening eyes everywhere. And uh, it'll be fascinating to see what he can continue to do on the tour. Yeah, he's ranked 11th in the world now. All uh, right. I don't think he was even seated at the Australian when 2022 started. A worthy adversary for our young and up-and-coming Canadians. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be some fun matches played there over the years. Cannot wait. Okay, we will move into talking hockey here. A couple of Leafs games uh, happened since our last podcast, and a couple of big wins for the Leafs to continue to hold serve in the Atlantic Division, where it seems like everyone is winning their games right now. Boston and Tampa holding serve, and... Florida just clinching their playoff spot today, um, which I feel like they should have clinched it a while ago, but but they beat the Sabres today, and uh, the Leafs needing to hang on through a couple of injuries. Jack Campbell finally back last night against the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, but we'll roll it back to Thursday night. Winnipeg Jets, the last time these two teams played, it was heated. Jason Spezza kneed a dude in the head and got the suspension. Uh, of course, it was in retaliation to an act by a said Jets player. And after the game, the Winnipeg Jets in the dressing room, this is recorded and posted to social media. It's the best bulletin board material you could ever have. And uh, they say there's nothing better than beating the Leafs. And 
it's something that is very common when you are the team with the largest fan base and the most history there everyone wants to see you fall and we see that with the lakers right now in the nba as well so every game you go up against teams they're going to give their best effort because they're playing the leafs and it's said it's a tough piece that comes with playing a part of this team but the one thing you have to do as we ramp up for the playoffs is you have to win games like this you have to come back and say we're not going to get pushed over we're not going to let teams embarrass us we have to hold our home fort down and even though things are going to get physical and chippy we're going to hang in there and not get pushed around and that is what this team did um really 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 slow start to the game and uh, if it wasn't for the Jets playing a pretty messy game, they could have been down by a lot more, 2-1 at the end of the first. And then from there, an explosion of goals. Uh, Leafs look tight, trying to get Austin his 50th in that game. Um, and luckily, he's able to get it near the end on an empty netter. Uh, place goes crazy, and he has his first 50-goal season of his career. Uh, if we go by pace, this should have been his 30th or his third 50 goal season but this is his first due to covid injuries etc um and it's a remarkable achievement he's now the fifth leaf to ever have 50 goals in a season and based on the statistics and the averages and the era this is the most impressive of the bunch based on the goals per game based on the adjusted goals expected based on era austin matthews is not much more that you can say that hasn't already been said. He's right there in the heart conversation and gets another one on Saturday against Philadelphia where Marner just undresses Carter Hart, feeds him for a wide open net goal. And uh, Wayne Simmons scores in that game against his former team. Uh, and another big win where they kind of back and forth with two teams. And then the quality really shines through near the end of that game and the Leafs pull away from both the Jets and the Flyers, which are must-win games right now uh, as they do have some tougher games down the home stretch. So really important to see them get those two big wins. That is the style of hockey I hope to hear about from our team, mm -hmm. pulling it together at the end as opposed to building up the lead and fumbling it at the end. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other storyline from this game Keith Yandel, who held, I think it was about 990-game Ironman streak, longest in the NHL. He's statistically like the worst defenseman in the league this year, but the Flyers okay. have played him because they are not a good team. And this is the time of year, it was mentioned in the press conference, where younger players are getting signed to deals near the end of the year so that they can spend their nine games and not burn a year their entry-level contract the college kids are just wrapping up their season so are now eligible to come and play in the nhl without having to leave their their college team and so there were some opportunities that philadelphia wanted to provide to guys and unfortunately that meant healthy scratching keith handle and there's a lot of different places where we could go with this discussion um the first thought is that it really does suck that they did this the stance that I'm going to take is it was kind of a long time coming. I was surprised that it, it just kind of felt like the Ironman streak was the only thing keeping him in the league at this point. His performance last year with Florida was, it left something to be desired. And 
it was bound to happen sooner or later. Obviously sucks he couldn't get to a thousand, but Philadelphia is ripping off the band-aid before he made this may be his last game he's ever played <laughs> based on how he was playing this season. So we shall see um, what the future holds for Keith Yandel. It's an incredible achievement and a testament to a guy who like <laughs> you could you couldn't ask for anything more than someone getting the the work bucket, bringing it to work every day, <laughs> putting in your time, the durability as a defenseman too, where they take a lot of punishment just really, really impressive stuff. So I wanted to shout him out for that. And unfortunate that he doesn't get <laughs> to continue the streak, but understandable nonetheless. Yeah. Availability, the best kind of ability. And it's a huge testament to dedication, durability, putting in the right energy, putting in the right rest uh, and all of that requires a huge dedication to the game. So that short of a thousand, um, I don't know. It's a business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another controversial moment from last night. I don't know if you've seen the photo circulating the internet of Troy Terry's face. No. He's got a nasty shiner plus it cut up around his eye temple area. Trevor Zegras, first of all, the human highlight reel, scores another lacrosse goal last night against the Arizona Coyotes, wrapping it not only around the net, but around his teammate who was trying to get out of the way. Um, now, my old, my old man brain there had a thought of why didn't he just pass it to Milano in front of the net? But at the same time, you love to see it. If you can score like that, you score like that, right? Anaheim, near the end of the game. I've complained about this before. You know very well what my opinion is of what hockey games become when it is a blowout and it just becomes a circus and things get out of hand and setting a message for the next game involves literally just illegal activity. (laughs) And so, of course, you knew this was coming, especially when a team is getting fancy goals scored on them it does you never want to be embarrassed and especially in hockey there is that mindset where you're not going to let kids run around and and do whatever they want and there's that physical element of just hey we're not going to take this it's left the league for the most part but it still exists and it was very apparent on the arizona broadcast when jay beagle gave trevor zegris a cross check from behind when he was trying to jab at a loose puck in front of the net That part, I mean, again, cross-checking is not allowed, but it's a reasonable thing that happens in NHL games where if someone's jamming away at your goalie, if you're fine to give them one, all good. The next piece is players jumping in to back up their teammates, and Jay Beagle gets mixed up with Troy Terry. They get into a fight. Beagle beats them to a bloody pulp, like a just very one-sided affair, but continues to pound his face in when he is on the ice. Oh, fuck. And I would encourage everyone who hasn't seen it yet to watch Trevor Zegris's interview. One of the most candid and shocking interviews by a player in a while saying that it was a disaster. It's an absolute joke um, that you just cannot do that sort of thing. Arizona's broadcast was more than encouraging the activity because of the older mentality that you don't want to get shown up and be physical, send a message, but 
how many more times are we going to see people get injured and stupid shit like this happen without any action by the NHL? Like it's taking out the guys that people tune in to watch when things like this happen. And a lot of people's answer is, is to bring goons back, but the goons left because they weren't exciting to watch. I don't want to watch someone get skated around for, for 10 minutes and then have one fight and never talk about them again. Like it, guys can be able to stand up for themselves, but I just, uh, it, it, it needs to be gone sooner rather than later, because if it was Zegris's face getting punched in it, like Troy Terry's a 32 goal scorer this year, he was in the top five for the first half of the season in points, like really, really awesome young player. It, you can change your career to get smashed in like that. So just, yeah, I, it's a very easy thing to say no, but I also wanted to point out the other side of it and try to make it seem how ridiculous that, that argument really sounds. And I don't even agree or disagree with the sentiment of we're getting embarrassed. We can't run away from this. We need to play physical. We need to make them remember us and be afraid next time they play us. But there's way to, ways to do that without throwing cross-checks exactly. from behind. There's exactly. ways to do that without punching a guy in the face who's already down on the ice. Like, exactly. that's the part where, I mean, cross-checking, again, we need to dedicate an entire podcast with several hours of research to, like, form a solid, cohesive opinion on cross-checking in the NHL. Um, but the punching a guy who's down is as black and white as it gets, and... Are you holding your breath at all for any league action or that it would be in the wind I mean, by now if it Taylor was Taylor Hall punched a guy in the back of the head. Yeah. Got a fine, right? And guys are getting cross-checked up high and elbows flying. And the league just it's very obvious that they just don't care about player safety. Yeah. And it's shocking. It's really shocking. So that's that. Let's 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 right turn out of that and head into basketball storylines here. Uh, the Toronto Raptors. Max, if you could give me your top Kyle Lowry moment, what would that be? <laughs> My favorite Lowry, like I'm, I love assists. I love point guards who can handle the ball create misdirection have that eagle eye view knowing exactly where their teammates are and orchestrate brilliant plays and I have a lot of complaints about Kyle Lowry's play style but that quality is certainly something he possessed and the number of times he did that beautifully are far too many to count my memory goes back to half court lobs to DeMar DeRozan or Terrence Ross um, his outlet passes out of a made bucket by the other team to someone who's posted up all the way down the court, like to Pascal or someone like that. The pocket passes to centers that he just, he made so many league average centers so much better with the way that he was able to set them up and find them. Bismack Biombo being like such a perfect example of that. And that's why Biombo's had a bit of resurgence in Phoenix because yeah. he's working with Chris Paul. Um, but yeah, no, excellent, excellent choice there with the passing. Um, you got to love the charges, the steals, yep. uh, the classic Lowry in the lane, turnaround, fade away, or the uh, 
left-footed step back three. Um, you saw the 30-point comeback against the Dallas Mavericks. Yes, sir. I just remember uh, the overtime game-tying shot against the Miami Heat, the regular season performance where he single-handedly dominated the Cleveland Cavaliers after they had been knocked out in the conference finals the year before by LeBron and the Cavs. Um, the many don't po- poke the bear moments, the many charges taken, including the all-star game. And then, of course, the biggest game of his life, game six, in Golden State. He comes out and he scores the first 11 points of the game and really establishes the tone. Kawhi was the alpha dog on that team in terms of scoring and dictating play. But Lowry was always the heart and soul of the team. And he gave everything to this city. And it is going to be a very emotional night in about 34 minutes. Uh, and I cannot wait to watch it. And yeah, wanted to start the basketball segment by thanking Kyle for all his time because he really is the greatest Raptor we've had um, in terms of winning, accomplishment, uh, personality, giving back to the community. It's, it's all there. He's just a great guy and a great player. Yeah, greatest Raptor isn't even a discussion. Yeah. And on that note, the Raptors take care of business against the Orlando Magic, which was a bit of a trap game before this very emotional tilt coming up uh, in just about half an hour's time, which means they are actually right now in the five seed at the time of recording this podcast with Chicago losing last night. Um, they are two games back of the Philadelphia 76ers with one of their remaining six games against Philadelphia. And they will possess the tiebreaker if they win that game. So very, very possible that the Raptors could compete for a home court advantage seed in the first round of the playoffs, which seemed very minimal chances back when they were the nine seed uh, a couple months ago. And Pascal Siakam, awesome. One of seven players in the league to average 22, eight and five plus. Uh, I think he is right on that bubble there for all NBA has one of the best 15 guys in the league this year. And the whole team is really locked in. And some of the defensive looks that they can throw at teams are, are really magnificent and just so much length. Uh, and we'll see what, what they bring tonight against Butler, Lowry, and Bam, um, and Tyler Hero as well. Maybe the most potent offensive player uh, on that Miami Heat team now with the six-man-of-the-year campaign he's having. I think uh, Butler going to be out for this game. But yeah, I, I think I picked the Raptors at an optimistic six, seven when we were doing this tournament. Um, by the way, Miami's still sitting in that number one seed, baby. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this every Toronto sports fan's favorite words are the team's destiny is in its own hands. Um, I would particularly love the home court advantage of, against the 76ers because mm-hmm. it's just one more time they have to yep. walk through the airport and yep. look at that mural of Kawhi yep. hitting that shot and... Yep. It, it's just good for the soul every time I know that happens, like someone donates to a charity. Yes. Oh, that would be fantastic. The next thing here, the most, one of the most impressive wins of the season, really, in my book, we got to see the two best teams in the league this season, Memphis and Phoenix. Memphis missing four of their five starters 
and Tyus Jones. So missing Ja, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Steven Adams. And Dylan Brooks does his thing. DeAnthony Melton has been 58% from three in the month, month of March. Um, Santi Aldama, Kyle Anderson, <laughs> uh, Xavier Tillman, all of these guys that we've talked about all year and when like Memphis just having basically the deepest roster in the NBA, but a roster full of guys who don't care about their playing time and only care about filling a role. And the fact that they won this game against a fully healthy or a fully functional Phoenix Suns team that is on a precipice of having one of the great regular seasons in NBA history is a testament now to how far this Memphis team has come and how dangerous they are going to be come playoff time because they can go to so many different guys to give them minutes and give them different looks and they're not scared of anyone without their their superstar MVP and four or five starters they beat this Phoenix Suns team and they did not back down once and Brooks was all the way in Devin Booker's jersey and if we get that in the Western Conference Finals man it really doesn't get any better it really doesn't um and I I would just be so thrilled if we got to see these two teams meet again in the playoffs so many similarities between the teams I guess Phoenix a little more star-studded but just the roster depth, the role-playing, having a functioning system, having everyone buy in and play through that system. It, it, it's the height of basketball. Yeah. The lows of basketball on the other yeah, hand. On the other side here, um, the Lakers drop another one just now as we're recording the pod. They lose to the Denver Nuggets. Um, they once again lost to the New Orleans Pelicans, which at this point their season is dead. Uh, LeBron either he's going to be shut down for the rest of the season, but it's if gonna Giannis play two passes, more games. yeah, if Giannis passes him in the scoring race, though, he may go in just to put up numbers. I think he really wants the scoring title. But um, I think he needs to play two more games to be eligible, to be eligible for it. Yeah, interesting. So we'll see. We'll see if that happens. Um, but just brutal season overall. Anthony Davis looked good today. Twenty-seven, eight, and nine. Uh, and Westbrook 27, 10 and seven, but empty numbers. If your team's not winning and the Lakers are going to miss out on the playoffs, which is crazy to think about. Um, but they really did mess up the construction of this roster and everyone is going to talk about this. It's the Lakers are the number one talked about team every year, all season, especially with the way that it's gone. Um, but I just saw a lack of execution from this team, even with LeBron and Anthony Davis, uh, they just they don't get good offensive possessions anymore because they move slowly. And LeBron was always able to take over with his incredible IQ and athleticism, but it's kind of underrated how far the league has progressed in terms of defensive capabilities and just the athletes out on the court. Um, scoring is way up. <laughs> In, in this era of basketball, but that's purely because these are the most skilled NBA players top to bottom in the league that we've ever had. And the defensive schemes are way more intricate and complex than either of us could comprehend, and they still get beat. And so if you're a Lakers team that is a slower moving offense and doesn't give as many different offensive looks, then these defenses that are very effective can really dial it in. And just like we mentioned with the Leafs, every team is going to give you their best effort. It's not like you're going into Houston and you're playing 
the rockets and you can take your foot off the gas a little bit sometimes they'll catch you by surprise but with the lakers you cannot have any easy games everyone's coming in with the intention of beating you and they got god again by new orleans and their season i i'll say it's done i'm closing the book on the lakers season here now with the spurs and the pelicans at least two games up on them the i thought i had the thought the lakers were in 11th and the uh spurs were the only team ahead of them um <laughs> good spot check here good spot check yeah it like it looked basically i think, I think the pelicans and spurs are 9 10 okay maybe yeah the pelicans might be in um but the lakers yeah. 11 and basically i think the lakers are still They've playing six in a row yeah <clears throat> The Lakers playing like the Thunder and then the Warriors, Suns, and Nuggets again, I think. Yeah. And the Spurs have like one very winnable game. And then they're playing like Timberwolves, Nuggets, and Warriors as well, I think. Um, So it'll be whichever boat sinks the slowest for that 10th spot. Yeah. Uh, they, They both have one winnable game and then like three games they probably lose. So if either team chokes the winnable game, that's something to look for, or either team uh, has to break out. I don't know how the tiebreaker is between the Lakers and Spurs. I Um, believe the Spurs have it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So close the book (laughs) on the Lakers season and on our, and on our basketball storylines here. Um, We will finish up with some college basketball. UNC did it again, ended Coach K's regular season, and then they now end Coach K's career with an upset win in the Final Four. Um, Just some great execution defensively down the stretch and two or three massive shots finalized and punctuated by Caleb Love's three-pointer right in Mark Williams' face, like just high-fiving on the follow. And that was the dagger to put UNC up four and then they play the free throw game and love uh, ices it as well in that regard. And a a crushing blow to Duke who really, it was all lined up for them to win or at least have a shot at the national title in coach K's final season, but not to be. And the internet exploded with memes and trolling and happy North Carolina fans who their team was not great this year. They are an eight seed in the tournament and they are now in the finals. I have them as a very heavy underdog though, because again, I did not watch as much college basketball as I would like to, but this Kansas Villanova game, it felt a lot like the getting Gonzaga Baylor game from last year's championship where Baylor just crushed Gonzaga with its athleticism. It just looked like one team was that much further along in their athletic development. And Kansas was, bullying guys the physicality was really shocking to me and they just had such great execution all around the court great shooting uh and then abaji who has flown up draft boards now with his performance uh in this tournament he started the game four of four from three really locked in on the defensive side as well um and showing off some great potential at six five uh, being a, a, almost like a combo guard that can defend multiple positions. Um, this Kansas team is definitely my favorite heading into the national title game on Monday, but 
It's why you play the games. It's why it's one game winner take all. Really, really excited. This game is going to be great, uh, as most title games are. That's it for basketball. The last thing to touch on here in our football fan cave is the groups for the FIFA World Cup have been announced. And it's not something we would usually talk about, but as everyone is well aware, Canada is now a part of that selection. Um, interesting format that they do, hoping uh, that we were going to be in pot three, but we did lose to Panama, fall into pot four, which is like the lowest eight teams by FIFA ranking. So you know you're going to have some great teams in your pool no matter what. Best case scenario was Canada was going to draw Qatar uh, as the team in their pool from pot A because it's the seven best teams in the world, essentially, plus the host Qatar. They don't end up drawing that, so not the best they could have done, but they certainly could have done worse. Uh, one of the groups, Max, had Germany, Spain, and Japan. Oh uh, and Canada was this close to being drawn into that group. Oh, my. Now, not to say that this group they're in is, is weak. It is a very strong group, and I realistically don't see Canada doing well here. Uh, they do have the number two team in the world, Belgium. Um, they do have the lowest rank pot B team in Croatia, but still a really, really, really good team. And then, of course, uh, Morocco from Africa and this Morocco team I think is pretty underrated in how special it is from what I've read so three really tough opponents obviously it's the world cup there's no cakewalks um, and I'm just excited to see I think the most realistic scenario is a last place finish I think the most realistic hopeful scenario is that Canada manages to really limit the damage against Belgium, keep the goal differential down in that game, squeak out some sort of draw with Croatia where they're gifted a goal and then can just hold the fort uh, and then uh, an upset victory against Morocco. I think that is the most winnable game of the three. And then you just hope, yeah, I think the ceiling in this group is four points for Canada. And then it really comes down to goal differential. So I think there's a slim possibility that they could make it into the knockout round. But really the goal here is I'd like to see them score. They've never scored in, in World Cup competition, did not score the last time they were in it, uh, and just want to see the guys get that experience of a lifetime on the world stage. Uh, so that's my breakdown of Group F. Um, and we'll talk lots more about the World Cup when November rolls around. Yeah, big stage to step on and time to step up yes sir i gotta step up and and get myself ready for ultimate practice tonight been battling the headache uh for most of the day as uh, i know max is as well but we were able to get on grind it for the pod uh, and appreciate everyone for listening hopefully we didn't give anyone a headache from listening to us um and uh we'll be back on thursday to give you more updates from the sports world Sports Next Door, signing out.